And this reading is Daniel 12, beginning at verse 1. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. Then I, Daniel, looked, and there before me stood two others, one on this bank of the river and one on the opposite bank. One of them said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, how long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? And the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, lifted his right hand and his left hand towards heaven. And I heard him swear by him who lives forever, saying, It will be for a time, times and half a time. When the power of the holy people has been finally broken, all these things will be completed. I heard, but I didn't understand. So I asked, My Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? And he replied, go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand. Those who are wise will understand. From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, There will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. Thank you very much to both of our readers. Those who are in church home groups will recall that we've finished a couple of weeks ago our home group series for last term in the middle of chapter 5 of John. We finished uh, hanging almost on verse 29 of chapter 5, Jesus' prophecy that an hour is coming when all who are in tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who've done evil to the resurrection of judgment, a prophecy of the general resurrection. And you might have noticed, as we were reading uh, that Daniel 12, a similar verse in chapter 12 of Daniel, verse 2. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Jesus was not novel, in announcing the truth of the general resurrection, it was right there in Daniel 12. 
How was it the Sadducees, who denied the resurrection, didn't see that, I wonder? It's a natural end to the book of Daniel, which we've been going through for uh, almost a year now at different times, uh, to come to the end times, the the last things, uh, which is what chapter 12 of the book outlines. This vision that we've been going through the last few weeks in chapters 10 to 12, the purpose of that was to make Daniel understand the fate of his people in the latter days. We saw last week in chapter 11 uh, a prophecy given to him for 300 years in the future by the heavenly messenger. Uh, Certainly latter days from where he was standing, although ancient history from where we're standing. This week, chapter 12, Daniel has shown much further ahead to the ends of all things, uh, the end times. Bible prophecy is often a little bit like looking at a mountain range. We can see the foothills fairly near to us, quite low down, and then much, much further away, we can see the snowy mountain peaks far in the distance. And sometimes it's not totally clear where on that axis a particular hill or mountain is. Is it nearer to the near foothills or is it further away, nearer to the far mountains? The last bit of chapter 11, which we didn't actually read last week because chapter 11 was far too long to read the whole thing, uh, is a little bit like that. There's a little bit of ambiguity about whether it refers to the time uh, 200 years BC uh, with Antiochus IV or whether it refers to the end times. But certainly this chapter 12 is definitely, unambiguously, those far mountains, those distant snowy peaks and prophecy about the end times. Three sections we have of this chapter 12. Firstly, the end of the vision that started back in chapter 10 uh, being related. And secondly, two questions which come up in verses 6 and 8. And those three sections provide the what, the when, and the why of the end times. What is it? When will it happen? And why will it happen? Firstly then, what the end times are. Well, we read in those verses one, two, and three, that they involve at least four different things. Strife, resurrection, judgment, and finally, glory, with a particular emphasis on that last one, the glory, which verse three is all about. I'll read from the second half of verse one. There will be a time of distress, such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. We're not going to achieve a utopia on earth without God. The wars that we see continuing to go on around the world will continue until the end, despite the efforts of the United Nations and other humanitarian bodies. But they will end one day, eventually. They won't go on forever and ever. Just as the kingdom that we saw in chapter 2 of Daniel, the mountain that grows steadily, continues to grow throughout all the nations of the world, so the king will come suddenly to his temple, as we read in chapter 7 with those Short words, but until, but, when the Ancient of Days comes and suddenly wraps up the activities of the little horn. At that time, strife will end wonderfully, and the living will be divided. 
as the dead will as well. They will be raised and divided, the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. Now, we should remember that God is glorified in both of those, uh, whether in exercising his mercy or in dispensing his judgments. His character, his just character, is glorified. But as I said earlier, the emphasis here in Daniel 12 anyway is on the glory, is on the exercise of God's mercy in bringing people to shine like the brightness of the heavens. It's therefore a little bit more carrot than stick. Any passage like this, whether it's carrot or stick, is a wake-up call for us, isn't it? A blast of fresh water in the face when we're feeling a bit sleepy spiritually. That we need to strive to enter by the narrow gates. Are we striving for the glory described here, the glory of the stars? Or have we got lazy about striving for that narrow gate? As the writer to Hebrews says, encourage each other as long as every day is called today, that you might not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The end times spell the beginning of eternal glory. Let's be sure to be there together. Secondly, the end times will happen at a set time. That question is in verse 6. There's a vision that Daniel has of two additional figures, and one of them said to the man clothed in linen, who was the original messenger from chapter 10, who was above the waters, how long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? As in, when is the end going to come? How long will it be before these tribulations end and the end comes? The answer comes a little bit later. The man clothed in linen, verse 7, who's above the waters, lifted his right hand. I heard him swear by him who lives forever, saying, it will be for a time and times and half a time when the power of the holy people has been finally broken. All these things will be completed. And uh, the amusing note in verse 8, I heard, but I did not understand, as indeed I'm sure we may be feeling as well. And perhaps it's not meant to be understood. Um, Time, times, and half a time may simply mean a year, two years, and half a year, which would add up to about 1,290 days, which is the figure we get a little bit later on. But, of course, Daniel receiving this vision in 633 BC uh, certainly didn't have to wait just three and a half years for the end of the world. It didn't come in 630 BC because two and a half thousand years later, here we still are uh, without that having happened. So even if it does mean three and a half years when he says time, times, and half a time, that's simply being used in a figurative sense, as indeed God is welcome to do. It's his prerogative to do so. With the Lord, a thousand years is a day, and a day is a thousand years. Not using time in a human fashion, but simply illustrating figuratively the idea of a set time. Time, times, and half a time, set by God himself for the end. We don't know when the end will be, but God does. It could be tomorrow. It could be next week. It could be a thousand years from now or longer. Only he knows. But certainly it is set by him. Very specifically as well, 1,290 days. When we book a special holiday, uh, maybe eight or nine months in advance, it can seem a very long way away. But slowly, week by week, month by month, that holiday comes nearer until the time when suddenly 
It's on the calendar page that we've opened up, and we need to start packing, sorting out the visa, and doing last-minute checks. In the same way, the end times may be close, or they may seem very far away. But either way, the time is ticking down week by week, month by month, until suddenly it arrives. And unlike the holiday, it won't come to an end one or two weeks later, which is very good news. So glory is at a set time. The end times, thirdly, will conclude with the purification of the saints. That second question, verse 8. I asked, my Lord, what will the outcome of all of this be? As in, what's the point of it all? Why did we have to go through all that tribulation in chapter 11 with Antiochus IV? Why do we have to go through trials and difficulties through the rest of history? What's the point of it all ending at that point? The answer, verse 10, many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. Purification, spotlessness, refinement. One of the most important questions for any Christian to be clear on is what is God up to in the world at the moment? What's his project in the world? His project is a purifying one, creating a holy people for his own possession in eternity. That's the outcome of trials and tribulations, of ups and downs, of joys and difficulties in life. A purified people, a sparkling gemstone for God to treasure in eternity, a new temple gleaming in the sunshine of heaven. That's the inheritance of nations that we sang about in the song just now. People with hearts of flesh, not of stone, glorying in their saviour all the day long. A perfect, untainted, spotless relationship with God, our maker and redeemer. When we see him face to face, without the need for shame or regret or despair, because Jesus has taken all of those things away on the cross. It's right that we pray, hasten that day. Wonderfully right. But let's be conscious of what it is we're praying to be hastened when we ask for that. We're asking for that work of the purifying of the saints to be accelerated and for God to finish the number of his holy people, which is an idea expressed beautifully, actually, in the penultimate prayer of the funeral liturgy which says, we give you hearty thanks that it has pleased you to deliver this, our sister or brother, out of the miseries of this sinful world, asking you that it may please you of your gracious goodness shortly to accomplish the number of your elect and to hasten your kingdom. It's wonderful when people's strife is over. But it's cause for us to pray again that God would complete that number of his holy people so that all strife for all people will end. In the meantime, he's patient. He doesn't take pleasure in the death of a sinner, but wills that all would turn to him and have life. So until that set time that he knows, that he alone knows, he's being patient and willing people to turn to him and to be purified by him. Therefore, let's not resent God's purifying work in our hearts. The Holy Spirit is always working to sanctify Christians in the truth. And sometimes he does that through difficult situations, 
illness, grief, depression, and the prospect of our own mortality. Let's instead keep in step with that Spirit's work, striving not just for the new creation, but striving as well for holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. I'm going to close with the words of a hymn uh, from the hymn How Firm a Foundation uh, by actually a namesake of mine, uh, Robert Keane. When through fiery trials your pathway shall lie, my grace all-sufficient shall be your supply. The flames will not hurt you. I only design your dross to consume and your gold to refine. Many will be purified, made spotless, and refined. Shall we pray? Thank you, our Heavenly Father, for the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gate of glory that he opened, that all may go in if they turn to him. Keep us, we pray, on that narrow path to glory, and may your grace flow through us to bring others along that way also before the appointed time and refine us all the while in the blaze of your great glory. For Jesus' sake, amen.